Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope with your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Hello, everyone. Into the heart of Pachimama and how to love her. That's our title for this program uh, today. So thank you all for listening. We are having an amazing program today, and so it is my honor to be interviewing our guest today. I myself had had the opportunity to travel to Peru this spring, so for me this is very, very special. When I was in Peru with um, about 17 people, we went to the mountains and worked with shamans, and we found it be so very interesting. And so today's, I'm always saying, going to say tonight, but we are now um, doing it live with this special guest, and it's about 4 o'clock our time, so we will be having this in the archives if you're not able to join us at this very minute. For the Aboriginal peoples of Americas and Africa and Asia and Australia, they believe that the land and all of the creatures upon this land are very spiritual teachers who must be listened to and taken seriously. The shamans of these groups are those who understand that the languages of the stones, the plants, the trees, and the animals, and they speak, and they're always speaking to us. I myself have come to an absolutely new appreciation of the wonders of nature, and I rejoice in the spiritual nourishment now that Gaia Mother Earth so often provides for me. But I do must admit that for me, it has not always been this way. One of the things that my dearest husband has helped me honor and respect the earth. He loves the land. He works with farmers. That I did not take the time to connect with our mother, Pachimama. Pachimama means Mother Earth. So I'm so happy to say that through my spiritual work and evolution and awakening, that I truly know now what oneness consciousness means. I myself dedicate this program to a very special place on Pachimama, on Mother Earth, and for me, it's right here in the wonderful state of Minnesota to the great waters of Lake Superior. This area for me in Minnesota holds much healing. And I believe that every time I go there, the water, the fire, the earth, and the air, it all speaks to me. So I start this program with a poem written by Chief Dan George from a book called My Heart Soars. The beauty of the trees, the softness of the air, the fragrance of the grass speaks to me. The summit of the mountain, the thunder of the sky, the rhythm of the sea speaks to me. The faintness of the stars, the freshness of the morning, the dewdrop on the flower speaks to me. The strength of fire, 
taste of salmon, the trail of the sun, and the life that never goes away. They speak to me, and my heart soars. Now, just a small intro into the life of our guest, Lynn Roberts. She is an award-winning author. She is a prominent teacher of healing and shamanism who has worked in the remote locations with the indigenous shamanic people. She has written four books, The Good Remembering, Shamanic Reiki, and the 2012 Independent Publisher Award winning Shape Shifting into Higher Consciousness. She has a forthcoming book called Speaking to Nature, which she has co-authored this book with world-renowned shamanic teacher, Chandra Ingeman. Lynn Roberts travels with groups around the world to teach them the ways of the mother. She has many different programs that are unique and deep and very profound, which help people move into a deeper relationship into their own healing as well as using energy to help heal Mother Earth. Lynn is a very, very busy woman, and so I am so thankful that she is joining us today. If you are one of the lucky ones who have the afternoon off at 4 o'clock and you happen to be listening to this program, if you do have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact us by phoning 213-559-559. 2974. Press the number one, and Tom, our program director, will take your questions, and then he will let me know on our studio board uh, that there's a question ready. And we'll try to get to you as soon as we can. We always appreciate, and we definitely love to have an interactive program, so please call if that spirit moves you to do so. Once again, that number is 213. 213- Five five nine two nine seven four. So please join me in welcoming our guests uh, live, uh, Lynn Roberts. Hello, Lynn. Welcome to the Pure Hope Show. Janice, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. Tell our audience where you're calling from. I'm on the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State now in the Olympic Mountains. So I'm in the furthest northwest corner of the United States. I love that. When you, um, we had talked just a little bit before we went on the program, and Lynn had told me where she was joining us from, and so I wanted to make sure all of our guests knew that here is this woman who's deeply engaged in Gaia Mother Earth and all of the people, and she's calling us from this wonderful um, area that you're calling from. So I appreciate it, appreciate it, appreciate it that you're here, able to be talking to us and the guests of the show. Um, yeah, the first. Wonderful. The first question I wanted to ask you, Lynn, is on all of my guests that I have, I'm pretty amazed by their stories of how they um, got to the place where they are at. You've had this mystical, magical journey of yours, and and sometimes it's our parents, sometimes it's a teacher, sometimes I hear the story of a near-death experience that moved a person into their journey. What brought you into this journey of yours? Well, I I think I would have to say all of the above. And (laughs) I think some of us just come in this way, too. And, you know, I've always felt um, 
and I've been perceived differently since I was a very young child. I was extremely quiet, and um, I uh, had a lot of spiritual experiences from a very young age, including telepathic uh, uh, communications with with other energies, intelligences, and you know that was just part of uh, life for me. And a lot of children have imaginary friends and a lot of very open connection with spirit and nature and uh, through the school systems and through our social, uh, cultural conditioning, you know, a lot of times these connections are lost or they're just looked at as, oh, that was this or nothing real, you know. But um, that was a very uh, alive part of my childhood. And my dad was and still is uh, very, very connected with nature and uh, <clears throat> very spiritually connected. I didn't find out quite how spiritually connected until the last decade or so, which is kind of amazing, you know. But um, And my mother also has a deep connection with nature, and she was, um, you know, uh, reading spiritual books, Edgar Cayce, you know, when I was growing up. Oh. So, yeah, all of that was present for me. And, um, and I grew up Catholic, which was a profound... Um, uh, I feel spiritual container for me. Um, you know, I, I'm not actively participant in the Catholic Church now, but for eight years I was in Catholic school, and and um, I had a, a kind of a unique way to sort through the dogma uh, and to really feel the very strong uh, spiritual presences. And I find looking back now that. A lot of the the masses that I experienced and uh, the ritual was highly shamanic and, and deeply powerful and really stays with me. So I'm so grateful for that background and um, and I also you know uh, having this kind of a just you know growing up this way and kind of always uh, having those doorways open. By the time I was a late teen, I started reading about Tibetan Buddhism and Alan Watts, and then by my early 20s was uh, practicing Buddhism, and I lived in India for almost a year when I was about, I think, 24, 25. And, um, and then I went to uh, Naropa University now. It was then Naropa Institute in the 80s and uh, got a master's degree in Tibetan Buddhist and Western psychology and was very... Uh, deeply immersed in Tibetan Buddhism and open to energy healing from there. And I did also have a near-death experience. I've had three of them, actually. Wow. Um, my, yeah, my son was born when uh, my second child when I was 33, and he was a very large baby, and we were at home with midwives, and um, <clears throat> he almost didn't make it, and uh, me too. And uh, it was a very powerful time afterwards, and he's fine. And and um, but it, it really changed my life. It it drove me even deeper into these places, and I started having spiritual experiences that I could barely navigate at that time. So it was, you know, everything I had experienced before. It was like to the hundredth degree after this, and that's what really drove me into shamanism. Um, to really deeply understand in a very grounded way. That's a great thing about indigenous people and shamanism and bringing spirit uh, into the earth is that it's so grounded for us and it's right here, you know. Um, so that gives you a little bit of an idea of my journey. 
Yes, I love it. I know that um, I wanted to tell our audience that um, two of the people who are part of the Hope Interfaith Center came and had a class with you up in the cities, and they came hopping and skipping to tell me, oh my gosh, Hope, you have to ask this woman on the blog talk show because they said exactly that. They said this woman is heart-centered and she says, and it's rooted in her. She walked in the room, you could feel the presence and it's rooted in you. And I trust and honored and respected these two women. And when they talked, I thought I really received transference of energy that whatever they received somehow I received it so that is the reason why I'm so thankful that you said yes because I know that you are incredibly busy so um, that's how this whole thing began for me because of Alexis and um, there's Clea um, telling me about you so um, yeah, beautiful. yeah they're beautiful women they're beautiful women I also wanted to let our guests know that um, Lynn Roberts is also a.k.a. named Cedar. And I wanted to ask you where that name came from and what that name means to you. Well, I had a powerful, um, a few years ago, uh, and I I won't go into the whole story. It's a little lengthy, but um, uh, I felt uh, through a series of dreams and experiences in my life I was really called to um, leave the life I was living completely behind me at the time I was living. I was married. I was living on Whidbey Island, Washington, and I literally stepped out of my uh, life at that point as it was and shifted my work situation. Also, I had been working for 17 years with uh, New York Times bestselling author John Perkins and some very beautiful work, uh, shamanism and transformational work and working with indigenous people. And um, so I stepped out of everything and I, I uh, went into the wilderness for, um, you know, you could call it whatever, a spiritual retreat. I really felt that the lands were calling me. And I was supported in doing that by um, a, a man known as Mick Dodge, who actually is uh, uh, the subject of uh, primetime television at this point, the legend of Mick Dodge through Nat Geo. And um, so I lived on the edge of the wilderness, about as far in as you could go, um, living on a private strip of land between state and national forests in the Olympic Mountains in the Ho Rainforest, where you get 14 to 15 uh, feet of rain a year. So I was living, uh, you know, in a small uh, rustic cabin. I did have electricity, but I didn't have heat, so I had a wood stove and... and um, I, uh, you know, Cedar is my forest name, and, and that's, uh, that came out of that time, that experience. And for me, Cedar is, uh, you know, it, it represents my deep affinity to the forest and to the earth, and it also represents for me my commitment. So my name, Cedar, um, you know, is, uh, I, you know, some people call me Cedar and others call me Lynn and, and Lynn actually means lake in, in uh, it's a Celtic name. So both of those for me are very earth connected and uh, it represents uh, my higher purpose here and my deep commitment to the earth and to the waters. And so it came out of that time period that I did live in the rainforest uh, for close wow. to two years. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I wrote my story. most recent book with Sandra Ingerman, uh, Speaking with Nature. Hmm. Hmm. We, I know that the board is going to light up with questions, and believe it or not, Lynn, Cedar, we <laughs> have a question. Would you be willing to take a question right away? Sure. Okay, we'll just see what this is. Hello, you are on the Pure Hope Show. Do you have a question or a comment for Lynn? Well, yeah. Hi to the both of you. Um, I have a comment and a question, and I find myself, um, you know, I've always loved nature, um, but um, since I moved to Colorado, I think a lot of my uh, sensitivities and my connection with nature has heightened, um, like being able to communicate with the trees, and the mountains and the masters in the mountains. And it seems like, um, you know, I I really believe that I came here with all of these gifts. It's not something that I actually cultivated. It's more like a reawakening. And um, I'm really, really having a wonderful time um, with reconnecting with nature, and I and I feel like it's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. That's beautiful. You know, it's um, so beautiful and important to hear you expressing this, and it does. You know, I can hear it in your voice that it's innately in you, and it's it's innately in all of us, and it sounds very very awake in you. And sometimes when we move to particular lands that really opens up for us in ways we don't expect or anticipate, some deep affinity to a particular land that we don't understand. Just as we have soul connections with people, we also have soul connections with with certain places um, on the land and certain trees. And so, yeah, that sounds so beautiful. Yeah, this particular place that I'm living in now... um, there's a portal, um, and I was told that this is the property, not so much this building, but, you know, um, maybe a half a mile or less from where my townhouse is, is where I, I made my first incarnation on the planet. And I have yeah. really, really, I have really strong connections with that. You know, it's an area I had I had. You know, I was walking, and this energy just drew me in. And I knew that the portal was here, but I thought it was in another spot. And uh, and I go there, and it's like I'm able to go into a whole different realm of existence when I'm there. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And, um, you know, we all have different ways of understanding these things and approaching them. And what you're speaking to reminds me of when I'm in Guatemala, which um, I take groups there annually, uh, women's groups. And uh, we do a lot of work around Atitlan, and the Maya elders are always talking about the portals, the interdimensional portals. You know, and these are places uh, where that wakefulness as to who we really are can really come in strongly. So it sounds like that's what you're expressing. And and ultimately, we have those are everywhere, and we can create those portals. You know, wherever we live, wherever our feet touch the soil. And I know Janice talked about Minnesota and and you know the beloved sense of that land. So we can access these portals anywhere. But it, it's beautiful that you're experiencing this in such a 
pronounced way uh, in Colorado. So do well, you have any suggestions? Do you have any suggestions in how I can in, even increase, um, you know, my connection with nature even more? I think there are some simple ways, and maybe we'll talk more about this too as the program uh, continues. And the book uh, that's coming out next year is all focused all around this, uh, speaking with nature. But um, you know, to get very grounded in your body and honor the earth. To, I make offerings to the earth. Uh, for me, cornmeal is a is a, what came to me to offer. Some people offer bread. Some people offer a song. And that, you know, we're, we're so oftentimes, you know, we live in a consumer society where we're all about, well, what can I get and what can I buy and what do I need and what do I want? And really we have to remember that um, connecting with spirit and nature and these interdimensional pathways is uh, we also have to be willing to give out, to offer out. So, um, so, and I find that that's what really opens up those channels is to, you know, um, really respect your relationship and um, make offerings on the earth and, um, and perceive the earth's beauty and speak with the earth, you know, speak what's in your heart and, um, and then be in stillness also because we're so busy in our minds and we have all kinds of ideas about what we're doing spiritually and, you know, there's even what my um, uh, past Tibetan teacher used to call spiritual materialism. It's very similar to, you know, kind of object materialism, but it's our spirituality. So to really enter these, um, you know, move and enter uh, these places on the earth and even, again, in our own backyard with a childlike simplicity and openness and curiosity and really relaxing uh, those other ideas of what we might have or what we might get or what it's about. Just really being willing to be there with an open uh, childlike curiosity. And, and again, there are many other concrete things that might, I think, come out as we speak uh, today. Yeah, thank you so much so for much. calling. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the second, the next question, um, that I want to ask you is because I, again, when we before we came on the air, I was going over your web page and I was telling Lynn that I was looking at her little snippets of videos and that you have had a list of experiences, life experiences that go on and on and on. And so just one of those experiences have been where you've trained extensively with traditional Andean healers. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your training that you had with these shamans and healers? Sure. And that's a really, um, you know, I feel so blessed to have had the experiences I've had. And uh, it's just been my journey, you know, to connect with many different indigenous groups and I appreciate that now because I really see the incredible similarities and I'm not hooked into one tradition. I, I really um, draw upon all of them. And the Quechua people in particular in the High Andes, I've worked with them a lot. I used to um, uh, arrange for some of them to come up to the States when I lived in the Northeast in New Hampshire and do gatherings there in New York State with the Omega Institute. And I've also taken many groups down to work with the Andean shamans in Ecuador. 
And um, <clears throat> these are ancient people uh, uh, whose ancestors are the ancient Incas. And um, the people that I worked with lived in a very powerful uh, vortex valley surrounded by three volcanoes. And there are many shamans who probably still live in this valley. And um, so uh, the interesting and important thing to know about these uh, any shamanic person, uh, this uh, type of healing form is that they're not uh, the healers themselves. They really readily acknowledge that they're conduits for healing energies, the healing forces of the spirits that they work with, and also the elements, earth, air, water, fire. And these particular shamans are very um, powerful. Well, all the ones I have worked with are powerful. These have a uniquely powerful healing form, which includes fire blowing, um, Mm -hmm. which you probably saw on that video, Janet. Mm -hmm. And um, the fire blowing is is pretty amazing because what it is is um, in Ecuador, they use uh, sugarcane alcohol, which is sacred there. Here, the closest you can get to that is Bacardi 151 that's flammable and, and um, sugarcane alcohol-based. Um, and they will blow this trago, the sugarcane alcohol, through a lit candle uh, to a naked person in front of them, and it will all pretty much engulf the person in, in fire. You can't wear clothes because clothes are flammable. And it's a profound um, healing, um, you know, in the energy field. And it's, uh, you know, fire is used in all cultures, fire ceremonies to empower and transmute uh, energies. Um, So it's just a profound practice. And what they say when they're doing this is that they're literally shape-shifting, becoming one with the volcanoes. And that's what's really doing the healing is the fire of the volcanoes. So they really evoke that presence when they're doing it. And they also work with plant plant bundles on the body and uh, sacred waters and eggs on the body for extracting uh, balanced energies and stones on the body that bring in strength and power. So I did all of these, you know, very um, hands-on, energetic uh, work with the elements, with these shamans. And when I bring groups down, the shamans and I would work with people uh, together. And, um, and I've also done a lot of training in the States, uh, you know, in different apprenticeship programs, teaching other people how to do this. And part of uh, my experience uh, with these shamanic people in particular, I've had, uh, you know, a lot of initiations. And um, with this particular group, my shamanic initiation involved um, uh, trekking to the backside of one of these major volcanoes where when you were within, I don't know, 10 minutes of it, you, you could hear what sounded like the heartbeat of the earth. I mean, just this, this, this deafening kind of pulse that you could literally hear with your ears and feel the vibration of boom, 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 just like that. Oh and my so God. as we got further, yeah, it got louder and louder as the yeah. further we got down. And then you see there's this small opening and it, that leads into a cave and there's water coming out of the cave. And um, it's uh, very, uh, it's got lots of uh, gases and, and um, you know, it's, it's pumping out lots of energy from the backside of this volcano. And there are many stories around this initiation cave. It's been used probably for centuries for these types of rituals. And uh, many people have died 
in that cave, uh, either not going with the right intentions or the, right, or the shamans that really know how to commune with these spirits. And the first time I went, um, uh, when I met the spirit of this cave, I was outside and I just knew it wasn't time for me to go in. And I felt kind of badly because I thought, geez, you know, I really should be able to do this, but I just know it's not time. And so I, I didn't at that time. And then the next um, year when I was there, I, I was very, very clear. And it's so beautiful because the shamans literally sing to the waters in the spirit of the volcano. And it's like a crooning, singing, just beloved feeling of, um, you know, they're really merging and opening and, and asking the spirits for blessings and to open the space for for us to create a situation where, you know, for when I was there, for me to experience a, mat, a marriage with the land and with the spirits, that's what it's about. Wow. And so, um, and then when the time was right, I entered the cave and it was profound and, and I could breathe and, you know, that's the thing because of the, the gases that come out from the backside of the volcano. People have been asphyxiated in there. But I was in there breathing clearly and, and just had this amazing uh, communion uh, with this, this uh, you know, the spirit of this volcano. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I knew when it was time to leave and, and I, I left. Uh, and I don't know how long I was in there, but... Um, you know, these are the types of things um, that that can, uh, you know, be inductions into these uh, these uh, healing forces, and um, that really create a bond between you and the earth and the spirits that allow you to facilitate in a way that your personal kind of ego self just kind of relaxes so these bigger forces can come through because again it's not the shaman who does the healing it's the the spirits and the elements wow wow what an experience what an experience um you know what again when i was watching these videos of yours you had said that your purpose in life was to to help all people to come back into harmony with this amazing planet. I love the way that you said, with this amazing planet. And the only reason why I ask is if you think that this has become, people are becoming more and more interested is when, all honesty, when I was so disconnected from Gaia, disconnected, and it was my, my husband who helped me reconnect with Gaia Mother Earth and, and, um, and sometimes I see some resistance in people reconnecting with Gaia. Do you see people becoming more and more interested in getting back into harmony with, with the Mother Earth? Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that that's playing out. First of all, I, you know, it's, it's, it's really important for us to understand that we are ultimately never separate from spirit or earth. Um, you know, we're made of the elements and everything that we've created really comes from the earth, even those things that feel so separate from the earth, like plastic, everything ultimately came from here. So that's just an important thing to remember because we are, we are remembering our connection and, um, and it does take sometimes, you know, conscious effort to do that and remembering our connection makes all the difference in the world in terms of our experience in life and also in terms of how we can live together on this planet in greater harmony and greater joy. Um, so it's, um, 
I do see, you know, again, there are many plays, ways this plays out. First of all, when I first connected with indigenous shamanic people almost 20 years ago now, shamanism here was seen um, with great fear and reserve. And I'm sure that's still the case with a lot of people. On the other hand, it's really popular now. It's really coming into the mainstream. It's really, um, you know, uh, it's big at this point. Shamanism has really found its place uh, because it needs to. It has important teachings for our times. And uh, so that's one way. And Reiki is the same way. I started doing Reiki almost 26 years ago, and and people thought I was, you know, connected with a cult or what are you doing? <laughs> and now it's in hospitals. It's everywhere, you know. And, mm-hmm. and um, so the climate is opening. And, um, and we also have things, you know, that you see um, barefoot running. That's, yes. that's kind of our, our urge to get back to nature. And I think it kind of misses a point a little bit because our shoe companies now are like, well, the barefoot shoe, well, are you barefoot or are you not? You know? and, yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, but, you know, but it's the attempt to, I want to feel my feet on the earth. I want my feet to breathe. We've, we've really constricted our consciousness in many ways by the way we dress. You know, because we dress in ways where our bodies can't move and breathe freely, and we we have extensive kind of protection in around our feet, which actually constricts the way our feet grow. We're really foot binding here, and um, we also don't have our firm footing on the earth when we walk. So I go barefoot as much as I can, and it's actually my my feet are broadening and. And, um, you know, there are so many nerve endings at the bottoms of your feet that, and all of those connect with your whole body, your consciousness shifts. And there's this beautiful book called Earthing, and one of the main authors is Clint O-B-E-R. And um, they give scientific evidence for how the energy of the earth is a profound healer, heals us physically, emotionally, and otherwise, and with many case studies. Uh, so this is really, really coming into the forefront, and I believe will more and more. And that's part of how Gaia is also speaking with us and how we're understanding that we, you know, this is another thing about separation. We are Gaia consciousness. And, you know, with the amount of um, extremes that we're witnessing in the world, it's a very difficult time to live in the world in many ways and also a very blissful, amazing time because so many things are coming in. And, um, but to really be able to ride the, the adventure in our lives of you know, the, the major shiftings and changing, changes that we experience and also in the world around us, I feel that we need to get out on the earth as much as possible and feel the, feel the wind, feel the air, feel the rain, you know, smell the air, get our feet on the earth, uh, speak with nature, um, and really blend our consciousness with that Gaia consciousness because we are one. And that's where uh, an innate kind of uh, sin, you know, that that can guide us through what, you know, feel like sometimes perilous times. I know a lot of people experience a lot of pain, confusion, and and, uh, disconnection um, and uh, getting out on the earth. And everybody knows in simple ways, too, just, you know, when you're in the office cubicle all day, um, if you go out on the weekend for a hike or, you know, get some uh, exercise and movement outside by one of those beautiful lakes in Minnesota, 
um, you feel differently. You know, you sleep differently. I mean, it, it's pretty uh, immediate and apparent to all of us the impact, the tremendous healing impact of nature. I know that when I um, now when I go up to Lake Superior, and I again I just did a retreat up there with fourteen women, and there's something about just like our first caller had called. There's something about that area for me that just speaks to my heart. When I leave it, I do cry. It's interesting mm-hmm. how much I'm energetically connected to that lake, and uh, I going to go up again and and so I'm going to make it a point where I spend more time around Lake Superior because it somehow it calls my name it has an energetic signature that uh, reaches into me and literally heals me literally heals yeah. me so and I'm mm-hmm. barefoot all the time so I'm thankful to hear yeah. the news about reconnecting to Gaia that way I wanted yeah, to spend a little bit of go ahead um, I wanted to spend well, just a little bit of time, Cedar, about animal guides because lots of the people that come to me, they might understand spirits and they might understand spirit guides and they're very open to hearing about angels, but sometimes they do not believe in or they're not accustomed to anyways talking about animal totems. So uh, what do you can you tell our audience what is an animal guide and how can they help us? Perhaps how can they find that animal guide out of who their animal guide is? Sure. Um, and first, I just wanted to comment about your your beautiful connection to the lake and that you can also, when you're not near that lake, you can just close your eyes and feel it with you and draw mm-hmm. upon that spirit and also communicate with it. And because where time and space really don't exist, and, yeah. and uh, that's right, right there with you. So, and animal uh, spirit guides. Um, well, it's interesting because it's, um, you know, um, and I'll, I'll talk about this just in a very practical way because that's how I relate to things. I have to really know it in my experience in a way that I understand it, and that's why I do a lot of integrating of indigenous shamanic wisdom with contemporary. Uh, lifestyle because we have to be able to relate to it in our day-to-day lives. Otherwise, we're not going to uh, connect. And so uh, for me, first of all, animals, you know, uh, many of us have had the experience of having a deep loving connection with pets or an affinity for certain animals. Or we may have had that when we were a child or, or, you know, for whatever animal and didn't understand it. And it's very, very natural for us to connect with animals and you know, uh, the animals share this earth with us. So it's, um, you know, when we work with the angelic realms, uh, that's a different realm of experience. The angelic realms are here also. Ultimately, there's no separation. But the animals really share this earth experience with us. So it's very, very natural, you know, in, in indigenous cultures, um, the uh, their relationship to animals really determine their survive, survival also. So uh, it was natural to uh, work with animal spirit guides to connect with, you know, the changing seasons and needs of the people and the, the uh, keeping the relationship between people and nature and spirit strong, which is what the shamanic task really is. All shamans are mediators uh, for their communities between people, nature, and spirit. 
and um, and also uh, indigenous people would shapeshift into the qualities of animals. They may, may need certain, you know, qualities for certain uh, um, life tasks, um, so they can draw upon these qualities. And um, animals also have a very pure spirit, and they're again they're they we share the earth life with them. And uh, what I find about animal spirits is that oftentimes we have these qualities in ourselves but the animal spirit will come to us because we may not have developed them and they can help us develop them and, um, and help us to understand ourselves better. Oftentimes through the practice of shape-shifting, which simply means becoming one with the animal spirit guide. And this is a difference I see sometimes in how we work with angels and how we work with animal spirits is, um, you know, oftentimes people relate with angels more separately than this particular angel. And I like to invite people actually to, to uh, consider that, um, you know, these angelic forms, uh, they're, they're all real, totally real and archetypal and powerful and affect tremendous healing and, and miracles in our lives. Uh, and that's our human birthright is to to witness, perceive, experience, and to bring in miracles. And we need them now more than ever. And also to understand that we are the angels too. And I've had enough experiences in my life where I, um, you know, um, especially after uh, what I mentioned of uh, that near-death experience uh, uh, during my son's birth, after that time period where I was in other realms uh, as an angel, uh, affecting, um, you know, um, facilitating um, kind of soul passing and facilitating healing and doing many things you would imagine an angel would do. And so I really came to understand that we are those angels also, and we can really um, invite that to come awake in us. So we are bringing in that miraculous angelic uh, energy into this world. Um, so, and animals the same, you know, that, that we can call upon our animal guides in a very separate way and ask them for help in our lives and we can journey to them. Uh, all shamans go into what we, you know, we might call a trance state, a, a semi-trance state where uh, all that means is that the brain waves are shifted uh, kind of like in a deep meditative state and in many shamanic cultures they use the drum but that's not true of all to uh, shift the drain, brain waves, to open up that space to non-ordinary reality. These are other worlds and planes that are always available to us, and we can move in and out of them all the time. Uh, so we can access um, you know, our relationship with our animal guides in these realms and understand more about ourselves, and we can ask our animal guides for uh, you know, to help us with every, everyday problems. We can do healing with our animal guides in these realms and in, in ordinary waking life also. Um, there's many, many uh, ways, and it's all about relationship. And, uh, you know, the more we open to these relationships, the more they, they become a part of uh, what's accessible to us in daily life. And uh, for me, a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, my connections in this way have come in through dreams also, that an animal may show up in my dreams quite uh, out of the blue, and it's an indication for me uh, that the spirit is with me now or waking up for me. 
that it's a time to relate. So there are ways to honor that by, you know, taking time to meditate with or journey with the spirit animal, to draw the animal, to move like the animal, um, you know, to start speaking with it or just feeling its presence um, as we move through life. Um, that sounds powerful. I know that I um, I have a son-in-law who comes from New Mexico, and when I go to see his mom and dad there, I spent a bit of time with the Zuni people of New Mexico, and they always carried with them these small stone carvings of animal figures, and they would call them, these are my helpers, these are my helpers. And mm-hmm. then when I'd ask them, you know, what do you use them for? And they would say, well, these are my conduits to another reality. They help me travel. Mm-hmm. And they would go, mm-hmm. I'd jump on their backs, and sometimes they pick me up by the nap of my neck, and then they take me. <laughs> to a reality of where I need to learn something. And so it was so interesting to be with them. And um, so those animal, um, power animals that we have, they do serve a purpose and and, um, and our animal yeah, guides are very and helpful. that's very common. And a lot of these shamanic groups, uh, the Quechua that I worked with in the Andes were known as the bird people. And also I worked with a group of Tuvan shamans that also were the bird people, and both of these wore uh, feather headdresses or big wings on their their capes, on their backs. And, um, you know, uh, some of their maiden guides are birds, where they literally, in this, um, you know, non-ordinary reality state, this deep trance state, would travel with their birds and you know it's um it's very very useful in our modern day-to-day life because you you um gain such an expansive perspective on uh everyday um you know occurrences and it, it's it's really powerful and useful you know in in those really ordinary ways and also these are tremendously healing forces that will change our lives and bring a really powerful healing energies to us, transform mm. our consciousness as well. Mm. Um, we tapped into this a little bit about rituals, and, and I wanted to ask you a question about rituals because reconnecting with the mother and reconnecting with Gaia, I love rituals now, and some people believe that they have time for rituals or they don't want to partake in rituals. They think that's the time of the past and not the time of the present. And here at the Hope Interfaith Center, I've always been directed to, to do rituals around the solstices and equinoxes and the full moon. And, and I just finished up a retreat at Honey Rock and I was um, directed to do a despacho that I was taught when I was in Peru. And and so for me, I feel like I'm returning to what I call an essential part of my life again, which I love mm-hmm. and I want to continue to do here at the center. So can you let our listeners know how important coming back to ritual is? What would you say to them? Yeah, first of all, I want to ask you a question, Janice. What was mm-hmm. your feeling? Like if you could track your state of mind and feeling in your body before you did these rituals and after, what would you describe? I was totally out of my body. I could meditate and be what sometimes people would call like la-la land. 
And when mm-hmm. I would come back in my body, I would cry. My best friend would watch mm-hmm. me cry when I'd come back in my body. And she said, what is that about? And I just said, I don't know. Wherever I go, I feel better wherever I go. And mm-hmm. so a shaman said to me, you have to take off your shoes. You have to get back to Mother Earth. You came to Mother Earth to be here, not to be out of your body, but to be in it. Mm -hmm. So my Mm -hmm. healing came, and it still is, is to be here now, to be in Mm -hmm. my body, to be on my mother's planet, and to serve Gaia. That's the healing that occurred for me. Yeah, that's really uh, perfect. Um, Thank you for sharing that. And it's... um, it's, uh, that's why, again, I find shamanism so grounding to be able to integrate extremely um, high and expansive spiritual energies. For me, it's the only way because it really, you know, it's not time to go out there and just to do it all there and just to kind of grind through life the way it is here. It's really time to bring it all here. It's all here, you know, and, and the world needs it now. And and these are very environmental energies. So if you do ceremony in one place, it's reverberating out. You know, it's a consciousness. It's in the field of energy, and it goes out. And you also carry it with you. And I think that's why people say they feel a certain power, you know, in my field. It's not me. You know, it's it's everything I may have been exposed to and moved through and, and all the people I've worked with in the lands and the spirits. Uh, that's what's coming in. It becomes a field that you radiate and, you know, these ceremonies have been done to honor the earth and to honor and maintain our harmony and relationship with the earth for, since the beginning of time, humanity. And um, it really um, maintains harmony and balance and puts us back into balance. You can feel it as you did. And it's also about community and sharing in a way that's beyond verbal. We are a talk and informational culture. And because of that, you know, it's, it's great. And we're, you know, it's, it's really gotten us far. But it's really time to go with that, you know, broad kind of a really developed um, kind of mind to go back to the heart and body and earth with that. And to, um, to really understand that beyond our words, Beyond our information is a vast reality we have yet to tap that is full of mystery and power and beauty and healing and connection. And that really feeds our hearts and souls. And what you described is exactly that. So we need these kinds of, and I call them ceremonies. And sometimes people think ritual like, you know, you can have a habitual ritual and and you've got to be present in your ceremonies. And every part of you has to show up. And uh, sometimes the ritual becomes uh, kind of rote, and we're, we're doing rituals every day, but we're, we're checked out, you know, when we're doing right. it. So I mm-hmm. kind of like to call it ceremony and, and remember yeah. the sacredness, the sacredness of our connections. So there's so many reasons, you know, to open up those pathways to power, to magic, to spirit, to honor the earth, to really um, accept and experience our own particular place when we go through those ceremonies we understand in a way beyond the mind uh you know our place in the sacred circle of life and we each have a place and humanity has its own place you know in the sacred circle of life with spirits and the trees and the animals and the earth and the waters and also our ancestors 
and our descendants, all of that, uh, and the stars. You know, when we say Pachamama, and a lot of people understand this is Mother Earth, but really what I've learned is that the word Pachamama means Mother Earth, Mother Time, and Mother Universe. So that what that tells us is that it's all here right now uh, with our earthly experience. And I know there are many prophecies around at this time that we're, we're in the time of prophecies. And what I understand is that this is a time when we um, have the opportunity to understand and to manifest from that full connection. So I see, um, you know, ceremony, as you're describing, is profoundly synchronizing ancient spiritual technology that uh, integrates body, mind, heart, earth, spirit, uh, very grounding in life experience, and then we walk differently through our lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know that I work with a lot of women, and again, for me, one of the healings, and I I thank you for calling it a ceremony versus a ritual, and I will adopt that, and because many women, they don't like their hips, they don't like their breasts, they don't like whatever size they are. It's so interesting. And again, what I was taught, that if you don't like your hips and you don't like your breasts and you don't like the size of your feet and so on and so forth, is that you don't, how can you love Gaia Mother Earth? Is because we are one with her and she is one with us. And and so what I see, again, for many women, that if they can really connect with Gaia, through um, women community and um, coming back to the ceremony is that they begin to like and love their bodies again. They really begin to take care of them, but in a way that they first love them the way that they are versus what they should be, uh, according to a culture that we live in, which is, I think, very off the mark for us as women. Yeah, thank you for expressing that because I think that's a really important point. And again, we're a materially oriented culture trying to shift out of that. So what that means is that we're kind of obsessed with physical things and we're missing the spirit and the soul in ourselves and in everything around us. And that's what's causing so much depletion and pain and uh, confusion um, for us. So, uh, and we have to recognize that that's a powerful collective field of consciousness that we're yes. working with, this cultural conditioning. And it's very strong and we're, we're acting it out and, and speaking it even without, and thinking it and reinforcing it oftentimes without even realizing it. And it's not so complicated to jump out of it, although sometimes it seems like it is. We don't have to step-by-step decondition ourselves. If we just move through those ceremonies that you're describing, and and I also like to introduce simple daily ceremonies uh, to do that, very simple and ordinary, uh, that we're immediately cutting through that because it's not real anyway. What's real is spirit and soul and earth and body and and all of that wholeness. That's what's real. And when we step out on the earth and we move through these ceremonies, we know that. We we know that beyond our mind. Uh, So um, we can cut through those without making it complicated. And ceremony is very, very supportive of that, of our us loving ourselves and loving all those parts of ourselves. And I, I firmly believe that, you know, this is a time when we have a hard time loving 
ourselves and and it re- really does demand that we we open to that and invite that into our life experience because that's the only way we can love every part of our world which is you know some parts are very hard to love and mm-hmm. very hard to even uh uh, know about or think about, but these are our reality is what it is now, and and we are who we are. So it really starts, I think, in our own hearts and experience and uh, ceremonies. Very supportive. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your Guatemalan trips that's coming up in 2015. Because I see yeah, that I it's a t- journey of all women. Is that true? Yes, we've done this for quite a few years now. I've been going to Guatemala. I think I've been there eight or nine times and many other parts of the world uh, also, Siberia and Ecuador and Amazon and Andes. And Guatemala, I really love to go to. It's a very gentle, uh, powerful, deeply powerful experience. And I take two groups there next year in February and also in June exclusively a women's trip, which I I just love. And I can't even describe why, but it just becomes this profound uh, sisterhood. And it's very fun and joyous. And it's also very, you know, it's very real. We just can be who we are. And we move uh, with Maya elders through uh, just a lot of ceremony, uh, fire ceremonies almost daily that are very life-shifting. And we learn a lot about our own uh, personal Maya energies that we're working with. And um, and we get to experience the profound spirit of Lake Atitlan. And uh, it's pretty amazing. After two weeks of being there, it feels like you've been gone for months. And uh, people return very changed. And what I like to do is you know, all of this work to the states, to my work, and to other parts of the world. And I also like to bring um, small groups to work directly with the indigenous people on their lands as a way of honoring them and, um, and you know, creating the opportunity for people to learn directly from our indigenous elders of, of uh, diverse cultures. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful experience. Hmm. Um, talk to me about shamanic Reiki. Is there a dif- difference between, uh, I know a lot of people who do Reiki, is there a difference between shamanic Reiki than other perhaps Reiki that there is? Well, I think, um, you know, the book Shamanic Reiki has done extremely well. It's in three different languages now, English, Spanish, and German. And um, what's beautiful about it is I've trained many Reiki practitioners and hands-on healing practitioners and other, you know, therapeutic touch and other hands-on traditions. Um, And they're blown away by how uh, natural it is for them to move into this, how playful and beautiful and natural uh, bringing in the elements to your hands-on healing practice and bringing in the idea of doing shamanic journeys with people when they're on the table and going into your own journey space while you're working with people so you can work more directly uh, with spirit guides and uh, as you're doing that hands-on work. So it's a very um, natural integration of hands-on uh, Reiki healing uh, work and bringing in work with um, you know, uh, drums and rattles and um, plants and stones, uh, which uh, reconnect people with the vibrant healing forces of the earth. And for me, it came very naturally. I started with Reiki, 
And uh, after level two, I had experiences. I did a lot of practice. I moved from being a psychotherapist into exclusively being an energy healing practitioner and uh, naturally had experiences of seeing spirits come in and working with people, uh, the spirits working with the people and putting crystals and stones in them and, and having experiences of working with um, deceased members of the, the person's family that would just show up and I'd have dialogue. And so um, that's part of why shamanism was so helpful for me to understand what um, was happening for me naturally. So for me, it's very hard for me personally to separate Reiki from shamanism. It feels very natural because for me, shamanism came right out of Reiki practice. Um, So, um, you know, and again, when I bring people in who are strictly Reiki practitioners, create an uh, experience for them to uh, start working shamanically within the context of a Reiki healing session, uh, it, it's extremely joyous for them. It feels like a remembrance, and, and it, it's just so much fun, too, because healing from the shamanic perspective, and also people who do Reiki know this, it's ecstatic. You know, it's not draining. It's not your energy. It's really uh, inviting uh, these uh, helping spirits and energies to work through us and with us. So it's a very ecstatic and powerful uh, experience with profound results. I've, I've seen so many miracles that I don't consider them extraordinary by any means. And they happen just by people doing the workshops. They happen in the workshop space and people who put a little prayer slip on the altar with their parent's name or somebody who may be experiencing confusion or difficulty or illness and profound things happen. So it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, I love doing it. I'll be at Omega Institute in New York in October doing an introductory uh, shamanic Reiki healing weekend followed by a five-day intensive master practitioner level. Uh, so I love the, well, the work. Question came in is before the program's up, ask her to speak about her new book, Speaking with Nature. Yeah, excuse me, I, I have a little allergies with this change of season. Um, Speaking with Nature is, as I mentioned in the beginning of the program, a book I wrote, uh, I co authored with Sandra Ingerman, who lives in New Mexico. Um, during the time I lived in the Ho Rainforest, very isolated. Um, and um, so I was literally speaking with nature. And what wow. Sandra and I did, first of all, it came from a dream. I moved to the rainforest, and within a week I had a dream about Sandra that she and I, I saw she and I happily working on a project together. And I take my dreams very seriously. Um, you know, I can tell which dreams are just kind of my my mental and emotional stuff uh, finding their place of balance and then what are the power dreams. I've trained myself to understand that. So I contacted her and and she agreed that, yeah, let's do a book. So, um, and she lives in New Mexico, so she wrote about connecting with nature beings in that part of the country, you know, which is very different than the whole rainforest working, um, you know, the more desert part of uh, the country and of course the rainforest has 14 to 15 feet of uh, rain precipitation a year. Um, So what the book is really is each of our experiences um, of uh, speaking with particular nature beings. For instance, you know, I've written on glacial silt 
and banana slugs and um, elk and uh, mist and Sandra has wow. written about about artesian spring and snake and sand and many other nature beings uh, there. And we've also written about a couple that aren't in our locales that just came in and made it clear to us that they wanted to come into this book also. And so, and we're literally speaking with nature and it brings out profound feminine teachings uh, from the earth through the voice of these nature beings. So there are feminine transformative teachings that come through the book and also very clearly um, illustrates for people how wherever you live, for instance, you in Minnesota and uh, wherever I'm traveling, that we can open up those channels to have this profound communication with nature and the beings wherever we are. And again, I feel that's so important because wherever we land our feet on the ground is where we need to connect. And nature is just waiting for us to open up those communications. Uh, so it, it can happen very readily, and, and it's very simple. It's not as complicated as we think. Everything around us is alive and has spirit and a deep wisdom that uh, that really is um, very appropriate for these times that we find ourselves in. Hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I've read a couple of your books, and I know they, they did shape-shift my consciousness into a a deeper and profound level. I read them right before I went off to Peru to have uh, a better understanding of Gaia, Mother Earth. And so it it does, uh, you know, your writing does move people. It has an energy to it that moves people back um, in good relationship with Gaia moves. So I'm looking forward to that. Is it out right now then, Speaking with Nature? No, it actually is in process the book is complete and it will it's coming out through bear and company and it's on the inner traditions website it's on amazon now uh, speaking with nature and it will be released in may of 2015 okay good 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 well we all look forward to that um well, would you let our audience know, because I had many people that said, I'm going to listen, I'm going to listen, I'm going to listen. If I can't be there at 4 o'clock because they're very interested in shamanism. And so is there a um, number or a website that our audience can get connected with you for more information about your books and your programs? Yes, I can be reached uh, directly through my website, lynnroberts.com. That's L L. YNRoberts.com, and also my organizational website is www.eomec.org, that's eomec.org, for the Olympic Mountain Earth Wisdom Circle, and also I do a lot of programs at the Omega Institute. Hmm. Well, we will certainly put all of that up on our website as well. And so I just wanted to thank you dearly, my sister, for the, in the oneness. I want to thank you so much for joining me today on our program. And, and really, what a treasure chest of great information that you have to share with us. And I would love to have you back on our program again to, uh, and to host anytime. If you're in this area, you can host at our center with the class. I know that we talked about that before. And, and so I would love to have you here at the Hope Interfaith Center at any time, any time, dear, dear Cedar. So. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much, Janice. And it's been a really beautiful experience. 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, just to let everyone know, again, we will definitely put Lynn Roberts' information on our website at the center at www.interfaithcenter.com. If you are interested in getting in touch with her or anyone here at the center, uh, we had an opportunity with this program to reconnect, to come into alignment where we must love Gaia, Mother Earth. As always, I say to our audience that if you have enjoyed the program today, please pass it on through your Facebook or any other type of social media. Lynn and I and all of my guests that I have here on the program, the reason why I'm doing this program is that Spirit directed me to do this program, to help people reconnect with all that is and to bring peace and healing to Gaia, Mother Earth. So at this time, I will end this program with a prayer to Mother Earth. Um, Dearest Monica Antonelli, a client, student, peer, brought this forth to me. The, The poem is written and the prayer is written by Kathy Jones, who translated the Lord's Prayer into the Divine Feminine. Our great Mother Earth, Eartha, whose body is the earth upon which we live and move and have our being. We praise your holy names. May we honor and serve you. May we again be true guardians of your nature, loving and caring for all that you have created. Continue as always, to give us the fruits of your bounty. Forgive our faults as we forgive ourselves and each other for our failings. Guide us as we journey through life. Protect us from all harm and danger. For this is your world with its beauty and abundance forever and ever. Bless us, Great Mother. Blessed be. Until we meet again, I thank all of you for joining us. And once again, always, always refer this on as we bring peace and harmony to Gaia, planet Earth. Namaste, namaste, namaste. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind. Be gentle. Be loving. Be true.